Hello and welcome to a new episode of the IAS podcast. In this episode, Marie José from Chile will interview Marie from France about the wonders of public and external relations. Enjoy. You can't build peace on empty stomachs. Let's bring one and one together. I watch the world from your point of view. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the IAS podcast. Hope everybody's all right. I'm Marie Jose, also known as Majo, from IAS Chile, and I'm here with Marie from France. Hello, Marie. How's everything going? Hello, I'm doing super great and I'm super happy to be here. Thank you for welcoming me. No, no problem. My pleasure to interview somebody that's so interesting as you. So let's start with a brief story on how did you end up working for IAS World? How did you start? Well, it was a very progressive journey. I started on the very local level uh, in the city where I was studying in France, so in the east of France. Uh, I started as a local member, got to know some events. I was very lucky because I was able to participate in the EXCO meeting that was organized in France. And then someone proposed me to join for the World Congress in Croatia. I accepted without really knowing what I should uh, expect. And I really met amazing people. I had such a great time there. And I got to know how ESWord was really working. And after that, I was full of energy and motivation to take over as a national director of France. There, I was very lucky because I could participate in all the official events. So I got to know more people. And the more people you know in the association, the more you're trapped in it. Um, because it's always like new opportunities opening at each event. And it's really, yeah, just an opportunity that I grabbed at the right moment to, to enter in the European board. Because someone proposed me after a party of something, and I was just like, why are you proposing me? I mean, I don't have so much experience. I, I don't know if I could do it, but no one else was um, applying for the position. So I just said, well, why not me? Uh, I worked really well. I had an amazing team. Uh, I'm especially thinking of Hannah from Germany, who was like really a good um, co-worker, I would say. And, and after that, I, I so in Europe, I was working as the finance person already. And thanks to that, I was able to meet the, the finance person in ES Word. Uh, it was uh, George at this time from Greece. Also super, super nice and showing me all the tricks uh, behind the job. So at the end of the year, I was like, why not applying? Uh, and I applied. This is how I did the vice president of finance uh, last year. It was really great, but a bit chaotic from time to time. And it was a lot of work. Um, so I was not especially thinking of um, doing it again. Uh, and I didn't uh, present myself for being the vice president of external relations. Um, but the, the previous one, um, she lost her position somehow, like she couldn't uh, keep going on doing it. So she, she had to be replaced. And the current president, Omar, um, texted me like, hey, there is this uh, position that is available. Do you want to join? And the team was amazing. It was only people I really liked or, or had heard really good stuff about. So I was like, Okay, let's go for it. <laughs> let's have another ES experience. And I think this was the best decision I took in my ES career. Um, because this position of external relations is, is really amazing. 
you get to meet so many people, you go to really grab many opportunities and, and develop the association in a, in a very nice way. And, and I think especially this year, we had a really good dynamic for, for creating a nice partnership that we might uh, discuss later on. That's amazing. So versus the position in finance and external relations, you think it's better, it, that suits you more in the relations position. You're enjoying it much more. Yeah, I think it's it's more fulfilling for me. I think the, the finance part is very strict and you really need to follow the rules carefully and it, it doesn't leave so much space for creativity, at least on my side, because I think um, the, the current person in charge is, is being much more creative than I was. But I think for me, like having to deal with this money was somehow a little bit scary and I just didn't want to make any mistakes. Uh, but yeah, the external relations, it's much more oriented towards uh, having contacts with people. And, and this is what I like and what I could now even consider to be like my real job, because it's it's really interesting. Awesome. Well, that's amazing. And can you tell us a little bit about like, what do you do as a VP of external relations? Like, what are your duties in, in ES World right now? Sure. So the, the, the first duty, which is um, highlighted in, in our constitution, is about fundraising. So we, lo- we are really here to, to bring the money uh, in, in, the, in the bank account of EAS. It's something uh, I have to do with the finance person, so Camilla this year. Um, so it's about looking for grants. Um, this grant part is traditionally more done by the finance person. And since we often target the European grants, now it's even done by the, the regional um, finance coordinator in Europe. But it's also about looking for sponsors, so uh, companies. This task is probably like the hardest to achieve because companies are not always super responsive. And especially this year with the COVID, it was a bit harder. Uh, and aside from fundraising, it's about creating any kind of partnership. Um, so it can be, for example, with other organizations like ours, to um, create events together. Um, it's about also partnering with organizations like non-governmental organizations, um, like Thought for Food, for example, or the FAO, with whom uh, we, we are collaborating. Um, and obviously, to, to have all this uh, sponsorship coming in, we need to, to create many documents to advertise the association, uh, to explain what we want, why we want it, how the company is going to get something back out of this. So it's yeah, a lot of document writing, um, which hopefully can be like a good base also for, for the upcoming years. Uh, of course, it's about sharing the knowledge we gain uh, in the association. Um, so I'm always keen on, on giving workshops about fundraising so all members can implement those strategies at their um, level as well. And then uh, we have the study abroad program as well, which is um, part of my duties. So in, in very brief, um, it's, uh, it's a program which is enabling us to communicate about um, the programs universities uh, may have, which are available for uh, international students. Um, so we provide this communication tool to them. It's, it's a way to fundraise as well by providing a direct service. And then an amazing event, uh, which is the ICEA, International Conference for Youth in Agriculture. 
Um, and this event is, is really interesting for, for two reasons. First, um, fundraising. This is why it was created in the first place. Uh, but also showing what our association can do, how our members um, are able to do. It's really like a, a way how to showcase our skills and, and allow us to, to show all the work which is done by the members from the bottom to the top and, and see that we have something to bring and that we are an association we should count on because we have ideas and, and as young people, we really want to change how the agronomy might be taught, how all the stuff are implemented on, on the agricultural level. And, and it's really nice to be able to, to show that to companies, to organizations, and especially uh, now with, with the AFAO, for example. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, have you been uh, participating in ICEA before COVID? Or, or this is like the first encounter with this event? Well, unfortunately, uh, I haven't been able to, to participate in the ICEA before. I think the, the last one that was done was in Portugal and it was before I started uh, to be part of EAS and, and the years after it was cancelled for several reasons, all uh, three years after I think. So it was the first time participating and organizing at the same time. And what like, I don't know, in aspects of organization, challenges and goals did you have like with Having ICEA online with COVID, and I, I believe it was much more challenging. Well, I mean, first of all, when we started the year, we knew COVID was already there, but we still wanted to have the ICEA because it was several years that it hadn't happened. And we really wanted to restore this aspect of ES and not saying, ah, the ICEA is going to happen and at the last moment it's not happening. <laughs> So this was the first challenge. It must happen no matter what, even though there was COVID. But on another hand, we didn't want to endanger anyone's lives. So it was not a possibility at all to have it in person. Um, but with COVID, you know, like many companies developed to propose uh, online events. And this is how we got the idea to create uh, an online fair. So the first step was obviously to find the, the online platform able to fit our requirements in a reasonable price range, I would say. So this took us quite some time to have like several interviews with all the companies, checking every single small detail to make sure that this is going to happen for the lowest cost. Um, so this was the, the first step. And, and hopefully we, we find a really nice company in which we had a very nice feeling as well. Um, so it, it was really great on that side. And, um, and the fact that we had the platform, it was exactly like having the, um, the event organized in person, but done only by the, the executive board. But in the previous years, we always had like an organizing committee on the local level. So here was the challenge to have everything centralized somehow. Um, yeah, so for the ICM, the, the first challenge uh, was to do it online and therefore to, to find like a, a platform enabling us to host uh, exactly what we want. And, and once this had been found, um, we were able to really focus on the content. Uh, the content which had to be available in three languages, so in English, Spanish and French. 
um, to make sure that we would be as inclusive as possible. So this was also a challenge because all the translation had been done manually. Um, and we wanted like the, the website to be a really nice way how to showcase the association, to show how professional we can be and, and attract uh, sponsors and partners. Then uh, we, we wanted also to, to showcase um, our main partner, Kay Leuven, uh, who was like virtually hosting it. We, we wanted like um, some kind of personalized design so we could relate to, to where we really are. And, and having our headquarters as the, um, the host of this conference was a, a nice idea. So this is how we proceeded by including Kay Leuven. And then it was like a lot of conferences that had to be chosen, built around a, a theme. Uh, this year it was uh, about resilience of the living world was really um, like we really had this idea due to the current situation of, of COVID. It was really influenced by that. The fact that we knew that due to this crisis, which is probably the first real big crisis that our generation is facing. And it's also like questioning many other stuff in our lives. I mean, when you have uh, so much time and you're locked down, of course, you're, you're thinking and, and realizing that there is so much to improve especially in the field of agriculture. And this is why we wanted to, to include this um, new atmosphere, I would say. Um, but by staying positive, obviously, and this is why we choose resilience and adaptation and having all our food systems um, able to overcome this crisis and others because climate change is an even bigger crisis uh, at the scale of the globe, I would say. So this is why we chose this topic and how we got all the conferences uh, going around those topics. And we also wanted to include young people in, in the conferences. So we also had PhD um, students presenting, mixing with also high level professors. Um, and thanks to this event, we have been able to partner up uh, with Taufel Food which is an amazing organization uh, working on the empowerment of, of young young people through helping them building their own startup in, in the agriculture field. And we also reached out to the, the FAO. So uh, FAO, the food and uh, organization of the United uh, Nations. And, and now we have amazing news because they were quite interested uh, in, in our projects and, and they are willing to, to partner up again with us for an amazing event coming in, um, in autumn of this year, the World Food Forum. So I hope everybody can stay tuned on that because amazing stuff are happening now. Oh, that's amazing. Can, can you tell me a little bit more about what, what is all this of creating partnerships and having that alliance with other organizations? Well, it's, it's a lot of patience in the first place. I think you have to write many, many emails, which are going to remain unanswered. But among those hundreds of emails you send, some get answers and, and sometimes in unexpected moments. Um, for example, for, for the ICR, we created so many documents. I had so many meetings with several uh, organizations and people. Sometimes it's a lot of time spent and you realize in the end that there is nothing really that you can partner with because you just have the two organizations are at two different levels. They don't deal with the same scope 
or they don't have the resources or time at the specific moment to get involved in something. But also it's nice to have this professional event like ICEA to, to really display the organization and it's building a base for the future. Because all the people you contacted, maybe they don't answer you, but they're still going to be curious and they're going to check the platform. And the fact that it was online really helped for that, I guess, because due to that, they were probably going on the website and I got contacted by companies like almost one month after the event. But it's great. No. <laughs> it's still great because... For next year. Yeah, it's for next year or even for before for another event. It's like, okay, they didn't find this specific one, but they saw the work. And they saw that even without them, we, we were able to make it. So somehow we already had the resources to, to create something good. And now they are coming and they already know what you do. They already know that there is something here, that there is motivated members and a good energy. And they're interested by that. And it's still, it's still great. Still awesome. Yeah. So going and working hard for not maybe this event, but for future events, that's, that's a really, really good perspective. And to wrap up, would you like to add anything for our listeners or any partners, future partners that could listen to this podcast? Well, for first of all, our listeners and, and especially our members, I would say don't be afraid to, to try anything. Don't be afraid to ask crazy stuff to crazy organizations. I would say like, I mean, the first time I emailed the FAO, I really thought they would never answer it. It was like a random email on the web page. It was not someone specific. And, and now I'm getting in touch with more and more people there and we are really building a partnership together. And, and I think in the first place, you might also think, let's go for fundings. And, and you realize that it's not the most interesting you can get from a partnership. Like organizing events with an impact, call for actions are worth way more. So it's also about being open to any kind of opportunity, just grab what's available and be resilient as well, like keep spamming if necessary. Um, because sometimes people, it's not that they don't want to answer. It's just there is so many demand that it's just difficult for them to, to keep up on it. And be modest, I think, as well. Because sometimes you may feel that the person in front of you doesn't get what is your organization about and doesn't see that there is really something and that it's worth digging it just try with someone else is it's just a question of filling between two persons as well and and sometimes it's just not the right contact and it's going to work better with another one so keep on the the work and i think everything is coming at some point it's just often coming at the end because it needs all those efforts to be heard but it's still, a, it's still a great surprise and, and I'm going to work really hard to have like proper endovers so that all the work done this year is not lost um, and, and is kept for later. Um, and for sponsors, I would say come and see how ES is amazing, how great our members and how we can really change the world with uh, young and motivated people. That's amazing. And with that thought, we finished this episode. Thank you very much, Marie, for your time and hope everybody had uh, much, as much fun as I did during this episode. I learned a lot and it keeps me motivated to keep working in my country as well. 
and see you on another episode and take care everybody and that was it for this week's episode special thanks go to marie for telling her story and to marie jose for doing the interview the podcast has been edited by me Ardi, promoted by Vestas and his team and was sponsored by Wageningen University and Research. Thank you for listening and we'll meet you again next week with a new interview from a different continent. You can't build peace on empty stomachs. Let's bring one and one together. I watched it